kids are impressionable. That's why here at this station, we watch the programs and commercials your child watches carefully. He may see bad guys, but not in the role of heroes. And he'll learn that crime doesn't pay. Because your child's welfare is our concern, too. That's part of our code. The code of the National Association of Broadcasters for television and the greater public interest. And now for a very special episode of PNR's... Wait a minute, hold on just a second. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute here. Are you having fun? And no, I don't mean have you ever had fun. I mean, are you having fun now? Especially as you're headed into work, multitasking at work, coming home from work. I mean, are you having fun working? Studies have shown that more playtime and fun at work actually boosts productivity and reduces sick time. As you might expect, it's more prevalent in younger workers. Almost 80% of recent graduates said fun is an important aspect of their job. Only 56% of those older than 55 said the same thing. Of course, work isn't really supposed to be entertaining or fun, right? I mean, after all, it's called uh, work. Nobody goes, yeah, I fun 40 hours a week. The productivity stress of the Industrial Revolution to the if you've got time to lean, you've got time to clean mentality of those first jobs we had as kids to the seriousness of the businesses we work for can often become embedded in us and be the entire way we think we're supposed to approach business and work. Why is that Monday all-hands meeting so serious all the time? Now, of course, there are serious businesses. The funeral home or the emergency room or the air traffic control tower or central command, that's not going to be the place where you want to be yucking it up eight or ten hours a day. Though I'm sure there are lighter moments in all of those, but truly, how much fun should we be having in our jobs? I would argue it's truly the reason we are alive. It's to have fun. So, now take that as you will with your job and your fulfillment in it, but ask yourself, can you fun 40 hours a week? Now back to our very special episode here. The very special episode label was actually an advertising term used mostly during the 1980s as a way of letting you know that that funny comedy show that you were used to watching every week, yeah, this episode was going to be a giant bummer. Somebody was going to die or get sick or get a divorce or get hit by a car or have some crime committed against them or commit some crime. Yeah, the weird, creepy neighbor, Mr. Robinson, he's actually doing that weird, creepy thing that anyway. The label was so that you weren't caught unaware and would blame the sponsors for being all bummed out. Yay, we just saw the teenager get arrested for selling drugs. And now let's see how to make our smile brighter with Colgate. Anyway, Joe and I actually are blessed to fun 40 hours a week. And one of our hopes is that this little hour of nonsense that we produce each week makes you giggle, think, and add the opportunity to bring more into your workday, more fun into your business. So while the very special episode of PNR is indeed coming and it's different from our regular shows, just know there's no big bummer coming. And now it's time to get our very special episode underway. And so let's get the theme music cranking. You ready for some fun? Then let's roll. For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with this old marketing. Take it away, boys.
Hello, content marketers. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 147 of PNR's This Old Marketing, a very special episode of our predictions for Content Marketing World 2016. We're recording on Sunday, August 28th, 2016, and we'll publish on the Monday of Content Marketing World. And with me, as always, as is my friend, my co-host, my colleague, and the biggest thinker in content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi. I don't know about that biggest thinker. I I don't think I could compete with you, actually. (laughs) Well, I could call you a biggest thinker. Yeah, yeah, we'd have to rename the show. Biggest stinker? (laughs) Biggest stinker? Biggest uh, dinker? You and I were were just joking about, I love the intro, by the way, on the very special episode, but you and I were just joking. It's like, okay, whenever we have a really busy week, we've got Content Marketing World coming up. We have no time to produce a real episode. We don't want to do one live this year. So what are we going to do? It's a predictions episode. Absolutely. We just got to, you know, chitter chatter (laughs) for for an hour and see see what the world thinks about our predictions. But again, uh, it's our show, and uh, we can do whatever we want. (laughs) So... What are they going to do? Not listen? Well, it's one of those things where, you know, so this is about the time when somebody is driving into work, listening to the show going, oh, a prediction. Oh, all right, go. All right, fine. Or somebody else just like, like, click. I'll just wait. Well, actually, you know, it's, see, we do have the data. You know, we talked about numbers in our last episode. We do have the data. That's right. And our predictions episode are some of our best ones. They are. They are. They are performers. As, as performers go, they are some of the best. But we are not data-driven here at PNR. We are story-driven. <laughs> what, what, whatever makes you sleep at night, that's, that's, that's all. So as we record this, we're, we're in the, literally you, as this is coming live, we are in the midst of content. Actually, as this, as this podcast episode drops, we are probably at the international opening night reception for content marketing world because we this would That's be the it. monday night so it actually would be the official holiday day right and then the official yep. opening is the next day where we have our workshops you're, you're teaching a workshop and then we have our i am our opening night party at forward down in the flats in cleveland but yes so it's so you and i will probably yeah. like we actually are now or we, we will be drinking <laughs> yes, so, exactly. There will there, be, there definitely will there be drinking. Definitely will be, will be drinking. But I actually love the Monday night celebrations because we get all the international folks to come in, and of course they have to come in early, and they've spent their, you know, some in some cases, you know, we've got quite a few coming from Australia, New Zealand, Japan this year. That is a long, long way to go. So it's a long way to go, and uh, and we want to make sure go. that we uh, we get some some drinks in them, make them feel at home. <laughs> and, uh, and then make sure they have a very successful Get rest of their week. Drinks in and make them feel at home. I don't know that those two thoughts you meant to go together like that, but all right, I'm buying it. You know what? <laughs> it is what it is, right? But yeah, you just exactly. keep you just keep going. But yeah, I'm very very excited, and I'm I'm super. I I think that my prediction for Content Marketing World 2016 is it's I think it's going to be our best one. Num- year number six. I think it is too. With a, it's by far the best lineup we've ever had. By far the most people, um, more sponsors. I mean, it's just... I'm predicting it's going to be the sexiest content marketing. Are you wearing Sexy something different that I should I, know No, no, I'm not. No, no, that would not, would not help anything. That would, not, that, would, that would definitely not be what you, uh, what you want. But I'm, I'm predicting sexy number six. That's what I'm going to give it. I hope you're right. 
and I hope that means yeah. it's a good thing. I don't don't That's know if it's going to be a bad, great thing. Yeah. So here we go with, <laughs> with the special issue, uh, special episode here, and what we're going to do? We're going to do three each, I think. And you're, I think you're going to kick That's it right. off first. Yeah. So we'll we will do three what, each predictions. Is this for um, the next year? We'll trade off. Is this and, like? Is this? Yeah, this is next this, year. This is what we're seeing for 2017 in the world of content marketing. We'll each do three predictions and we'll trade off, um, and then we won't have any rants and raves because I'm sure we'll rant and rave plenty about the, each other's predictions here. Um, and then we'll have a this old marketing because, of course, we can't have a this old marketing without a this old yes. marketing. And uh, we'll get out of here and nobody there gets we go. hurt. So uh, fantastic. Yeah, so 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 we're kicking this thing off. Um, Let's see. I mean, as is usual, I don't know whether I'm going first or or you're going first. Um, so, <laughs> I think uh, you which, should go first, Robert. Oh, I'm going to go first. I think that would oh, be fantastic. Prudent. All right. I think that is it, – it wouldn't be a this old marketing without some confusion. <laughs> so um, here we go. I mean, here's my first prediction. My first prediction is – you know, and the funny thing is I'll tell you, Joe, is I actually went out and tried to get this domain and then just couldn't get the domain. My prediction here is that content automation is going to become a thing in 2017. And what I mean by content automation is that there's going to be software, um, discussions, all kinds of things about how AI, sort of artificial intelligence, content products are going to work for marketers. And marketers are going to look to ways to automate the creation and publishing and management of content like never before. I think 2017 is going to be the first year where we really start to see these products take off. Not in good and bad ways, by the way. I'm not necessarily saying this is good or bad, but I'm saying that this 2017 is going to be the year. I suspect by the time we get to intelligent content in the spring, and we're going to have lots of stuff to talk about there because this is going to become a theme for intelligent yep. content. But I believe that these vendors, these solutions, the discussions, and the talk will become an extraordinarily popular uh, you know, thing. It's almost, I, I, I would predict it would become kind of like the account-based marketing has become this year, this content automation is going to become a huge, huge topic of conversation in 2017. Do you think that the marketplace or the technology, let's say, is ready for that to happen? Because we've been talking about this, obviously, as, as I become more part of Intelligent Content Conference. Of course, you, you've, been, you've spoken there every year. Um, that it, it, the technology really wasn't there. But you feel that it is there in order to, to to create this sort of new category called called content automation. Yeah, and I'm by the way I'm making all that up about content automation. I just thought it was an interesting way to to talk about it. But the um, uh, yes, I do think that for for certainly for marketing content to draw the distinction, the 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 technology is there. And what I mean by that is the creation of ads the creation of some landing pages, offers, even some medium-length content, the, the technology is more than there. It's, it's ready to rock and roll. But as we start seeing things like the ability to put in just, you know, think of putting in all of the product information um, around your products and letting the AI begin to start to create automatically generated landing pages and offer pages and parts of your website, um, that will begin to automatically optimize and create new versions based on 
SEO based on people clicking the behavior of people. I think we're going to start to see it really prevalent in marketing content and somewhat in content marketing. Maybe we're going to start to see some interesting blog posts get created, coverage, news coverage for sure. You know, the idea of curating your own feed, those types of things I think we'll start to see as well. Those will probably emerge out of the media, you know, more oriented companies, but I absolutely believe we'll start to see it um, in the, in the marketing content right away. Well, I mean, the, 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 I think when I saw the associated press come out with talking about how the majority of the releases that they have now are, are automatically engineered by machine learning or whatever you want to call that artificial intelligence. And there's, of course there's humans creating the stories, but once the humans create the stories, they tag it properly. And that's what actually in a lot of cases, I guess I'm asking for your agreement on this, that when the stories are put together, they're not tagged in such a way. They're not being able to be read by machines in such a way so that what you're saying can actually happen. That's, I think, that's actually, that's a big portion of what we're trying to do for intelligent content conferences. How do you set up your content, your taxonomies, your tagging, so that when you do get this technology that's, oh my gosh, it's perfect, it's ready to roll. You can actually, it can read the content in certain ways, and then it can do all those things on the fly and create those automatic landing pages and, and figure out where the person's coming from and what language they speak and all this things and feed the right content out there. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. I mean... Uh, yeah, that's correct. That's correct. And that's why I think you're going to start to see it first in the shorter, you know, shorter bits, right? So what you'll see first are things like ads, um, where, you know, I can, you know, things like offers are really interesting, um, because you can think of a basic offer, you know, save 25% on this, you know, on this product for the next period of time, right? So it's a, your, your typical coupon related offer. Well, that can be made, you know, in innumerable ways to be based on artificial intelligence to create that says, you know, hey, you know, you love, you know, you love pickup trucks. You're going to love our new offer and you're going to love it so much that it's going to make you want to sing Willie Nelson. Right. And so you can think of all the different ways that it can look at data. Artificial intelligence can look at data, your surfing habits, your what you've what content you've consumed before all of the different things that are just available, quite frankly, from the behavioral data that you've exhibited in, your, in, your, in the way that you click through content and have it create an offer that's more relevant, quote unquote. Now, this is the, the proof will be in the pudding here. I'm not sure how much I believe of this, but a quote unquote more relevant offer could be delivered to you dynamically than could be created or scaled by hand. And so you could imagine just you put in the parameters of the offer and have the artificial intelligence create, you know, a hundred thousand different versions of it. And, you know, you, and basically, you know, optimizing it for whatever it can for people. Now that can start to expand because the natural evolution of that is for it to expand into longer pieces, landing pages, the about us page, you know, think about all of the sort of standard product and web content that you might have on a website all of that could conceivably be created by, you know, created by machine. I think that the one, whether it should or not is a whole different thing, right? Whether it should or not is a different, that's a different discussion. I just believe it's going to become a thing that we're going to be talking. No, I, I, you know, I don't know whether it's going to be in the next 12 months, but it's definitely on the way. But I think what's interesting to me is as we've seen so many companies jump into marketing automation 
and they jump into it in a lot of cases too soon when they don't they haven't set up the strategy for it they don't have the pieces parts done up front they don't have the content in order to feed that marketing automation machine that you railed against in the last issue of uh, this old marketing. Um, <laughs> right. I think that that's where we're going to have to do a lot of education on the, the content automation side, because they're going to want to say, Oh yeah, this absolutely. We want to have this technology, but they don't understand the work and the people actually, the, the engineers that are going to be involved in this. I mean, Chris Saunders is going to love the fact that we're talking about, you know, whether you call it content engineering or, or whatever you call it, um, right. That's going to be a th- somebody that understands how to get the the content and sh- the stories in shape, the content in shape, the assets in shape, so it actually the machines can play a role. So, absolutely. absolutely. All right, I like it. That's my prediction. I'm sticking. I give to it. it a three point seven. Oh, excellent! Out of don't, a what? Out of what? I don't know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I right. just I'm just gonna throw out random numbers and just out see what happens. <laughs> Uh, well, so my first prediction, I'm not even going to go with the Apple Disney thing. I'm not even going to go there because... <laughs> Let's all just be yeah, thankful for I just that, have to we? put that out there because I, I know am. everybody's going to say, oh, Joe, that's gonna, Joe throws it out every year because one of these years it's going to happen, which it is, yeah, it's but not, not... No, it's not. It's not going uh, to happen. It's <laughs> not... I, you know what? You can poo-poo my idea all you want. But it'll happen someday. I, I, Anyways, I that's not of one of my. I don't know why you just keep, the really stupid. Why do you keep ones? bringing it up? <laughs> <laughs> so every year, just about when we do these predictions episodes, I have one on brands buying media companies, but I'm going to alter it slightly. Right. So there was an article today that I read, believe it or not, in the Associated Press <laughs> that talked about 1.8 trillion dollars in cash right now. For U.S. companies that are on the sidelines, $1.8 trillion. Yeah. Do you know that this is what blew me away? 50% of that is held by 25 companies. Yep. Whoa. It's an amazing statistic. Apple, it's Google, an amazing Cisco, statistic. Microsoft, and another 20, 21 companies. That blows me away. Um, so that my, my prediction is, so yes, I still believe we are going to see brands start purchasing media companies, but I think that you're going to, for the most part, see this happen among the the big 25 there with the ones with the most cash wanting at some point to do something with it instead of just parking it in cash. Now, what I'm really intrigued about and why I'm probably, you know, more on this in 2017 than I've normally been, even though I've talked about it since forever, uh, this Aero Electronics example, which we've got Victor Gao from Aero Electronics speaking at Content Marketing World, uh, about how they're building their media company. They're really going the, the Red Bull direction, but they're doing this from the B2B side. They're b- building this B2B electronics ecosystem. And for those of you that don't know, Aero Electronics, we've talked about it on the show, but Aero Electronics uh, bought almost the entire electronics media portfolio from, uh, from UBM, our parent company. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and having this done by, because you and I, we've shared lots of smallish examples, right? Where you say, oh, yeah, uh, L'Oreal and Makeup.com and Adorama buys JPEG magazine. And we've got lots of little, like, one-offs. This is huge. Right. This is, yeah. they're buying an entire electronics media portfolio. And I think what that, and it's a... Well, they've done it twice. They've done now. it twice. They've now. done it twice, which exactly. Is, yeah. they, they bought United Technical Publishing, and then they came in and bought the UBM family too. And 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 it's a Fortune 250 company that's doing this. So right. now I think that exactly. you've got 
you have chief marketing officers at these big companies that are looking at this. You've got the M&A folks in these companies looking at this saying, wow, look what they're doing. And this is actually a thing. And I think what you'll see is a flurry of these types of, of changes as we as we accelerate into to 2017. Now that and the reason why I'm I'm more emphatic about this is because of that Aero Electronics deal that that you're going to see this happen, and more than just one-offs, but more you're going to see them try to put portfolios together where they actually do become the leading expert around that particular niche. And I think B two B is ripe for this, and not that it won't yeah. happen in B two C, but B two B is so ripe for this to happen right now. And don't you think, too, that one of the things, I mean, this feels right to me, but one of the things that's going to drive this um, is, you know, and I'll get to this in a little bit, you know, this idea of influencer marketing, but, you know, influencer marketing is already a thing, right? It's already, you know, people are talking about it. Um, And so uh, the, it feels like the influencer Piece is going to be, you know, a a big driver of this, right? Because more than just looking at the influencers and the celebrities and the B two B sort of subject matter experts, people are going to be looking for these media companies who are also influencers in the space. And so I just think there's sort of a natural like, oh, we're looking at influencers as a means of getting, you know, sort of, you know, beyond the noise and all that kind of stuff. And oh, well, maybe we should just hire this person, or maybe we should just buy this company. I think it'll be a natural evolution of that well discussion. i think absolutely right but also the fact that when you talk about in and of course uh there's a book out there called experiences i that's one of my one I've of my heard friends of wrote i've, I've, I've yeah, heard it's of a great it. book yeah, i've heard go out it. and buy it <laughs> um the audiobook will be available as this goes oh fantastic air. I got word from Audible that the the audiobook will be available at, so it should be it should be if again the schedule holds it should be available as this as this is uh Good. live. Fantastic. Uh, I'll be first in line on I'm with my clicker. I'm going I'm going to get that. <laughs> get well, that first in line with the <laughs> clicker. Um yeah. But the the focus now on I mean, experience is, is is being talked about more in enterprises than it's ever been before. Like, what is it? What what's our customer experience? And this, whether you say that influencer marketing is going to push this, or you're going to say, look, we're focusing on the full journey of the customer experience, and we've got these content gaps, we've got to fill these gaps. Do we launch or do we buy? They're impatient. Right. Brand big brands are impatient, and they have a lot of cash. That means that they're going That's to right. go buy, and they're not going to grow organically. It's just common That's sense. exactly right. All right. I like that one. All right. Well, that's a, that, I'll give that one a 3.85. On a, on a on scale of 72. All right. Yes, there we go. All right. So mine is related to that. My second prediction is related to your M&A prediction. Um, I'm going to go down the road of agencies, however. And my second prediction is that I believe as one of these brands that you're predicting are going to buy a, uh, a, a media company, I'm going to predict one of the bigger agencies, you know, call it a Madison Avenue agency, you know, one of the Omnicom, WPP, Havas types of agencies are going to buy one of the major media companies out there, whether it's, you know, a, a network of sites or a big media television company or a print company, media company. 
I believe one of the big agencies out there is finally going to figure this out, that they can buy in a, a, a media company in an effort to start talking about how they can join together this idea of native and connected platforms to the brands that they serve and start uh, and start not just launching these little niche products for brands, but actually become not only the place where you buy media, but they can place it for you as well and do the creative services and launch their own version of a T-Brand Studios and those kinds of things. So you really see there's going to be a battle between the content studios in media companies and publishers with what agencies are doing, obviously because I, publishers are going after agency business. It's absolutely okay. the case. I, I, the, the, I think the battle is already yeah. here. You know, it's being fought in corners and it's being fought in, you know, quiet RFPs that people are losing one way or the other. I can tell you I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it from both publishers and agencies where there's a real weird sort of, uh, you know, tension happening now where you've got agencies who are saying, hey, listen, we're competing for this business with this publisher who is also a customer of ours or a partner of ours for media buying. And so there's some weirdness going on there with the media buying and the and, and where the media is getting placed, where budgets are getting placed, where client relationships are happening. So that weird uncomfortableness is already starting to happen. I think dude, you're going to see a big agency take a shot across the bow here and you know, and buy somebody like a Grantland, right? You know, we're going to see a media company like a Grantland come along or, and, you know, that kind of thing, or a, even bigger, right? Some, some other, you know, cable network and, or, you know, print media yep. company that's got a family of magazines, like a Condé Nast kind of company. And you're going to see one of the big agencies just go, you know what, we're just going to buy them and make them a division of our, you know, and they'll have all of the natural disclosures. And, you know, we have firewalls built up and separation of church and state and all of that. But it's going to basically be, you know, I expect any day in the early days of, of 2017 to see something like, you know, WPP buys Condé Nast or something, you know, something like that. You know, it's interesting if you go back <clears throat> now we're dating ourselves but if we go back 15 20 years ago this would have never even been a thought because of the mostly because of, the, of a talent issue if you were the creative services content services department at a at a large publisher and you were going against uh the agency for, let's say for a content project what you had on it, the publisher had the advantage of being able to sell distribution that's basically right. the only that's advantage exactly. the publisher had they didn't have the and brand well, well brand, but, but, but brand too, but, but what but, I'm but, saying yes. is is that you didn't yeah. have better strategy you didn't have better ideas you had no of course you had not. we can create this content for you and we can distribute it and we can get eyeballs on your content and that's how that's publishers exactly made right. their worst now today and agencies are like hey we don't have to compete with that it's really no competition we might lose a job here or there we lose it on price or something like that or distribution but for the most part agencies are going to continue to get the jobs that agencies were getting now fast forward. 15, 20 years now, we're into 2017, the talent and the type of work that these content studios are doing is phenomenal. So, And, and in some cases, you could say, oh, well, could I get better work at this this uh, strategic agency or should, could I get better work at a, at a content exactly. studio? I don't know. They're really competing. Right. Or do we just build well, one? Or, you know, that's what New York Times decided to do with a, you know, they said, let's just why do we need agencies? Let's just build. Well, that, well, that's the thing right now. I mean, if you're a client, if you're a brand, and you're looking at should I go if I if I'm trying to tell a story in some way, a consistent story over time, do I go with this agency or do I go with this 
a content brand in, or a content studio inside a publisher, you're probably going to lean to the publisher media company because they can get you distribution too. So that's what you're saying, exactly. right? You're saying in order for agencies to stay competitive, they need to add distribution. That's exactly right. That's and they can get that very, very easily. I mean, as we as we talked about on two weeks ago, two weeks uh, show ago, we you know we talked about this. That this is not media companies are not that expensive. They're no, you know, you're right. they're they're relatively they're relatively cheap when it comes to purchase, and so. You know, I think we're going to see splashy headlines when it comes to some of these brands. You know, I don't think it'll happen with, you know, the big news oriented, you know, like I don't think we're going to see an agency by the New York Times or the Washington Post or somebody like that. I think it's going to be, you know, probably culture types of media companies. You know, I could see one of the big media companies spinning off some of their, you know, some of their more culture or pop culture oriented titles and sell that into an agency, something like that. But I think you're right. It's as much for the talent as it is for the distribution in many cases. I think that that is an incredible prediction. I'm going to give that the grade of purple. <laughs> purple. <laughs> Whatever, I'm, right? I'm glad um, yeah. I'm, so my next – I've got all kinds of stupid predictions here, but I'm going to throw this one out at you. I, You know how uh, you, you look at uh, Netflix and – I'm sorry. Go, go to Apple TV. You have Apple TV, right? Okay, I you have do. Apple yeah. TV, and you go to all the different content channels, and there's like, oh, there's a Red Bull channel, and you got they're all trying to make their own channels, and they're putting their content on those channels, which is fine. And we've talked about the value in doing that in, in most cases because you have more control over that. But what I really see happening in 2017 is a significant effort from multiple brands that are going to underwrite series of programming on Amazon Prime and Netflix. I think you're going to see this. Oh, I think that's exactly. I think this right, is going right. to be a. It's going to be like most everybody's going to be surprised, and you or I are going to be saying, "Of course, this is going to happen." I think one of them are going to be Marriott. If you just want to, I just thinking who's the who's the brand that's going to do that? Marriott's doing some amazing things with their content studio that they have. Uh, obviously, David Beebe speaking at Content Marketing World on this and what they're doing with their M Studio or M Live Studio. Um, I think that's just the natural progression of the next step where they're like, okay, well, we we can do this type of program. We want to reach these types of people. Where can we get this? And I, I think we're still a step off from, hey, we're going to launch a major motion picture. I don't think we're quite there yet, even though we've had the Lego movie and we've had some talk about some other ones. But I think that Amazon Prime and Netflix are two absolute prime opportunities. And I think you'll see the bigger brands, the Starbucks types, type of brands, uh, maybe a Walmart here and there uh, start to do this and, and put their programming on those sites. And I think once you do, I think you're so right with that. But I also think once they do, you're going to start seeing the smaller ones go too, right? You know, you're going to start to see because that'll be the that'll be the quote unquote tipping point for brands to say, you know what, this is the new, you know, this is the new sponsorship model, right? It's not for 30 second spots or a bunch of product placement though there may be product placement in there but it's basically underwriting um the production and 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 basically well distribution to some extent but certainly the production of this high quality series oriented shows which can you know 
which is basically the new, it's the new awareness, you know, it's the new, it's the new brand awareness. Instead of throwing up a bunch of 30 second spots, you just take that money and you underwrite the whole, you know, this is, it's the Chevrolet, you know, hour, you know, variety hour all over again is, is, is well, yeah, we're really just going back to the way it used to be. (laughs) It really is, is is something else. Uh, It's, but I think that your point about series that I'm not just talking about the one-offs, like I'm sure you saw, uh, what was it? Tony Robbins had his one hour or two hour special on there, which is a pure content marketing play for the other stuff that he's, uh, yeah, he's exactly. selling, which is fine. Right. But I really yeah, think no, that you'll start good. to see yeah. the large brands bidding on creative work that would have normally gone to, to the big production studios. Uh, and yeah. now they're, you're going to just have brands that it's going to be part of what they do as they morph into continuing this, this morph into like a real media company all in all. Yeah, exactly so. right. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right. Yeah. Sweet. And you have one more, my friend. I, I do have the, so I do have a, a third prediction here. So, um, so I'm going all the way down to B2B here. Um, and so for me, it's, I'm looking at B2B content and content marketing specifically and, and, and really into the hiring thing now. And so one of the things that I think is going to become, and I mentioned this just to just, you know, as we were getting into the predictions here, Influencer and the idea of influencer marketing is becoming more and more popular. And I think in B2B, it's I'm I'm starting to really see the rumblings. You know, B2C has been doing it for some time, and you can argue the brand spokesperson and all that kind of stuff is just an alternative form of influencer marketing here. But as we start getting into this idea of blogging, creating content, creating spokespeople. Um, you know, I think of what, uh, you know, what Emerson did, uh, Kathy Button Bell there has done with Emerson, um, and the YouTube, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head, but the YouTube star that does their STEM, um, YouTube series, all of those kinds of things strictly and, you know, really focused on B2B looking at influencers as a means of driving their content forward. I think what many B2B organizations are finding is they need to put a face with the approach and differentiation that they that they really want out in the world and their own people aren't equipped to do it they either just aren't good on camera they're not good on audio they can't write very well and whatever it is and i think the idea of b2b content influencer sort of a b level celebrity a level celebrities and all that kind of stuff will be the account based marketing of 2017 it's going to be influencer based and companies are going to go after influencers, you know, in a, in a big way, we've seen pockets of this for the last few years. You know, you look at what Rackspace did and then ultimately I think didn't do with Robert Scoble. You see what, you know, people have done with Guy Kawasaki and, and, and his role at Google, Google, right? Yeah. It's Google. He's, he's, he's uh, Canva. Stuff. Yeah. Canva. Sorry. Yes. It was, it was Google for a I while. Think he was, was with Google. Was yeah. Google? I think it was for a while. Um, anyway, so Guy Kawasaki with Canva and those kinds of things, and those kinds of content influencers were going to be are going to be big for B two B in twenty seventeen, and it's going to really take on a new strategy in life of its own. I, you know, I love this prediction because I'm I don't understand why it's taken Brad so long to go this I, right, way. Right, exactly. There's it's yes, like they've got that, to. It's so funny because sure. you know, last episode I was talking about I'm I'm just about complete uh, finishing the book shoe dog by phil knight nike's founder and yeah i, I just completed the part where they signed uh prefontaine which is, of course one of the greatest runners in history and it was a big coup for to get 
Prefontaine to wear Nike shoes. And at the time, it's not like today, they, you couldn't give money to people. You couldn't say, hey, to, to Olympic athletes. You couldn't give them anything, right. any endorsement. So Prefontaine was, was bartending just to make money. He was broke. He had no money at all. And Nike, it was a really small company. I think at that time they did $3 million in revenue. And they went out to Prefontaine and they said, we would like to hire you as our public affairs person. And all his job was, was to be an influencer. That was it. It was just to go around. He went, he did Q&A sessions all around the world. He did some autograph sessions, but that was it. That was the only thing. And of course, Nike's done that forever. I mean, that's how they broke into every industry, right? They'd go find the influencer and they'd hire them. Now it's a little bit, it's changed. They didn't, they don't formally hire Michael Jordan, but in that in that day and age that's what they did they actually hired him he was an employee for nike which i didn't ever knew about which i thought was amazing but i think that's it's just why haven't we gotten to that point we know you said you have a couple examples here and there you know the scoble the kawasaki but it's amazing to me why we haven't seen more of those examples it it is amazing you know i mean you see what you know like i mean what when you were talking about Nike there, I thought of, um, you know, I, I, way back in the day, sort of in the, call it, you know, early 2000s, um, I, uh, you know, basically 2001, 2002, 2003, I worked a bit with Trek bikes. And forever, as you know, I mean, Trek bikes and Lance Armstrong were linked hand in hand. They were just, I mean, you know, it made Trek bikes, the, the, the Lance Armstrong stuff. Um, and then, of course, <laughs> it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which was, is one of the problems, you know, right? It, yeah. It ended, yeah. And I was going to say that's, the, that's, that's the, the, the challenge here is, is that, you, you know, these things have to be monitors as well. But I think these are going to be the issues we're going to be dealing with in 2017. That is true. Uh, so uh, so how, do I, how, did I, how did my grade do for that I, I think that this one is grade level certainty to happen. Oh, this great. is absolutely Fantastic. going to happen. Mine, on the other hand, my last one. Yeah, what's your is, last is, one? It's a little bit more negative. Um, oh, so, all right. And I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't feel good about saying this, but I think this is what's going to happen. I think the content recommendation engines that we know that are out there. You know, all the content that you know. You scroll. You're on Fast Company, and you go through the article, and you scroll to the bottom, and there's all these different content recommendation engines going to other sites. That some of them yeah. have been, you know, they don't get a, and some of it's good content, but a lot of it is sort of clickbaity content. I really yeah. see that you're you're going to see media brands that use this. They're going to start to scrub their sites free of lower level content. And what's going to happen then? I think these content recommendations engines are going to take a hit. I think they're going to have to do a pivot to stay. They're going to have to really focus on the kind of content that they're allowing to go through those engines. But I think that as we, you know, we talked about in the last episode of you know Google and the popover and um, you know the changes they're trying to make in user experience. I think you're going to start seeing more scrutiny put on the user experience when it comes to the content around the content. I think it's going to be a big thing. I think some companies are really going to get hurt by it, and it's going to just take one or two of the large company, large media companies to say, look, we, we don't want it. Even though the, the revenue is good, we have to say no to this, and, and it's going to uh, start to flow, and, and you're going to see a domino effect throughout the industry. Wow. That's a good one. That's a really good one, I, and I agree uh, with you. I think... 
Yeah, it's it, it. That's a really interesting disruption that could, ha- could that could happen next year. You know, where you start to see a lot of moving parts there, right? You'll have some brands who will say, "Well, we'll continue to use it, but only within our own network, right? Yep. We're only going to pull we're only going to pull content from our own network and keep it, you know, in you know with our family of sites, right? So you've got the you know the AOL Huffington Post sort of, you know, network where you've got content flowing in and out of and, and all that kind of stuff, which means really interesting things for marketers trying to get into that business. Um, because, you know, especially as smaller sites, you know, put a little promotional dollars behind their content and try and get it out on the CNNs and the, you know, business oriented sites that use those content recommendation engines, that's going to become a really hard thing to get, you know, to get going. Um, because if the big media sites start really funneling down the kind of content they're going to allow, the only way to, you know, the only way to do that is going to be to really, you know, provide some manual filtering and or, um, quality, you know, I, it's a, yeah, I don't know. I, I think sure it's, a, saying, it's an, it's an issue. It's really yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's an issue yeah, right now. I mean, really the, it's, it's almost a lot of media company, uh, executives that I talk to, they sort of. They're real quiet on it because they know they get a good sum of revenue from it, but but none of the the site editors are real happy with it. And I don't know if it, it I, I don't think in a lot of cases it creates a better experience. Now I'm not saying it's all content. I'm saying that some of the content that gets through, and you and I both know, whether you're on CNN or or whatever the site is, you get to a piece of content that just doesn't look right. It's not where it's supposed to be. Well, the, yeah, the the one of the CEOs of the of the one of the major content syndicator, you know, sort of these engines that we're talking about here, said to me, "This is what they call the bikini problem, right? They they called it the bikini problem, which is you see two pieces of content at the bottom of the page that look relatively good, but then the other one is like, you know, a, a, you know, and the reason they call it this is because it's a woman in a yeah. bikini, and it's like you'll never believe what she does next, right? And it's it's that clickbaity sort of content that just sort of spoils the spoils it for the rest of the you know of the rest of it right it's just it's not you know it's either you know it's 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 sex or it's some tawdry or some clickbaity headline that is sort of just and it just feels out of place it just feels like it's a brand ruiner for some of these larger media companies that are trying desperately to maintain the quality of audience that they need to to keep going and to your point it's like do you just do you keep after that easy revenue or do you bite the bullet and yeah. say, you know what, we're only going to, we're going to really, we're going to, we're going to clean up the user experience. And this here. will, and this will obviously affect, uh, you know, non-media companies as well, because non-media companies use content recommendation engines and, and you, you, we, we've well, talked exactly. about it on this show the past few months. We've re- more than that, actually, we've really seen this movement from more dollars on the content creation side to way more dollars on the content amplification side. Just like TV has been forever, um, you know, that's kind of what you're going to see, whether it's one to four, one to five, whatever the case is. And, and, you know, content recommendation engines, that's one of the ways you get more more eyeballs on that content. Um, So I just think there's going to be a big disruption in that area uh, in 2007. So I give that that a grade of, let's see, I think that is a Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, really? Yeah, I think as long as it wasn't an Ally McBeal, I think I'm good. I think I'm good to go with that. Well, what's amazing is that with between your three and my three, they're all going to come true in the next twelve months. Yeah, um, which is amazing, actually, and how right we are all the time. 
in our own minds. (laughs) Speaking of being right all the time, we have a lovely, wonderful sponsor. It's a content recommendation. Yeah, (laughs) wouldn't that be something? (laughs) Let me tell you how awesome this content recommendation is. Um, Actually, it's our good friends at On24, and they have a great piece of content to talk about. You know, webinars, one of the most important marketing tools to generate leads and drive new business. Uh, But a lot of people aren't happy with the performance of their webinars. I mean, I can't tell you how many I've been on that I'm just like, really? Did did somebody not know the basics of, of webinar creation and distribution? So we've got a few best practices in this wonderful report from On24. Actually, it's more than a few. It's fantastic. It's report. called the 2016 Webinar Benchmarks Report. It highlights data from over 12,000 webinars that they put together and really comes up with the latest trends so that you can be great in your webinar marketing. Um, it's all there's a there's a, a like a research report and there's a way that you can watch it actually via webinar, of course. Uh, good job on 24 on that one. You'll get webinar registration yeah. and attendance ben- benchmarks, best times of day to deliver, uh, what tools you need to be using. Uh, when when you should think about on demand versus live, all that kind of stuff. Go to cmi.media slash pnr147. That's cmi.media slash pnr147 and download it today. A great piece of content, brief piece of if you're at all involved in webinars and you haven't looked at this piece of content, make sure you do that today. Fantastic. I love it. It's a good piece of content. I will I will personally attest to it. It's a it's a good report. Very interesting report. Well, we do not have rants and raves this show because we have been ranting yeah, and raving for true. the last 40 some odd minutes. And so we are going to finish off with a one, I think one of our better, this old marketing examples. I think this is, this one's really cool. I mean, this one speaks to me because I'm all, well, you're a customer, a customer, which I just but, found out, which yeah. is awesome. And so, so you, this, the, the company's called loot crate, L O O T C R A T E. And, and I, you're a current subscriber of the, of the service. So I, I want to tell you a little bit of how I found it. Cause I thought it was super interesting. So the only reason I've never heard of them until, uh, basically today. And I started to put this together. The only reason, um, was I, I had the cover of Inc. Uh, magazine sitting on my desk. I still read print folks. Um, and yeah. they're on, the, the founder of Loot Crate is on the cover. And Loot Crate is the number one fastest growing company in the U.S. over the past three years. Think, listen to this. Growing at 66,788.6% in the last three years. The, I know. I had to put the 0.6 in there. It's the 0.6 that really does it. And they've had 2015 revenue of $116 million. I'm like, whoa, that is like super fast growth. Wow. Big went from nothing to a huge company in, in literally no time from like 2014 to, to 15, 16. So when I see growth like this, like I had to dig deeper into it, Robert. I'm like, what is going on? What are they doing? It's got to be more than just the product. And I found a little bit that uh, you know has to do with this old marketing. So, okay. So first off, for those of you that don't know, Loot Crate is a subscription box company service for what they call geeks and gamers. So basically, you can buy monthly boxes to arrive at your residence based on certain themes. They have monthly mystery boxes based on stuff that geeks would like, valued at over $45 each time, where you can pay as low as $13.95, although some people pay more. Um, you can be very specific uh, and 
have to actually pay a little bit more for that value. You might want a Star Wars box every month or gaming or animation or can't even have gaming stuff for your pet. It's actually pretty incredible how much they put this uh, the model together because they keep getting niche and niche on the different boxes. So all in all, for about 20 bucks, subscribers get a monthly box full of about a half dozen items. Now, in the process, they built this army of rabid fans, and here's where it gets interesting. So you might know some of this, Robert, but I know our listeners don't. So I'm going to re- repeat and see if you, you uh, know some of this stuff. So from listen to this. <laughs> from the Inc. Magazine article, this is uh, – I'm taking this right from the article. It says, though Loot Crate launched at a time when subscription boxes were going gangbusters, Davis, Chris Davis from L.A., who's the founder, knew that longevity would likely go to those companies that could stretch their customers' job <clears throat> beyond – Scratch their customers beyond just one day of the month receiving the, e- the receiving the mail, the box. So they wanted to make sure that they were talking and communicating with their customers and, and more than just one day a month. So he, Chris Davis, set out to extend the brand. Loot Crate launched an app, seeded fan communities across Snap App and Reddit, and built out an in-house team of designers, developers, and writers to create custom content. The company releases an interactive game each month and includes a 24-page magazine called Loot Crate Magazine in each crate and produces scripted multi-camera videos with geeky plots as well. He says, we think of ourselves now as more of a content and experience platform. Whether it's print or mobile or digital, we want to deliver this great experience for fans that's bigger than subscription boxes. So I know you'd appreciate that whole take. So I mentioned... Yeah, so I mentioned the magazine. So it's magazine.lootcrate.com. I'll put it in the show notes. And their Tumblr account, they have uh, they curate geeky content from other sources and build a really nice community there. They've also developed a content brand, which you'll love, called The Daily Crate. TheDailyCrate.com hmm. with the tagline of Epic Geek and Gamer Intel. They produce three articles per day, including a regular series called GIF Crate, where they mash up different sci-fi and animation anime f- uh, characters into one GIF, which is awesome. So it it's totally fits within their brand, too, to do that one. So this is a real, real media brand with multiple s- subscription options. They have an amazing e-newsletter that they give, uh, they give gamers basically the latest industry news. And they do one more thing. They say that the average customer sticks with them for over a year, but... Many times, if a customer bails after a few months, usually six months because they've got these six-month programs, as you know, they keep getting all the content and engaging in that content, and then often they come back to buy again, which I think is awesome. So I got to tell you, Robert, I totally fell in love with the brand. I know that you're still trying it out, um, but man, it seems like they're communicating with their audience in a way that if you were launching a company today, this is exactly how you'd want to do it. It's yeah, it's 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 been great. I mean, I I found them through their blog. I found them through the content and got, you know, and I'm a mystery box subscriber and so, you know, get a box every month. I signed up for the 6-month thing and it's been it's been really interesting. I, you know, I'll say for the most part it's been 65% hit, you know, 35% miss uh in terms of what, you know, what they, you know, and there's no real way to sort of tell them how to improve it. In other words, you know, to sort of make it smarter as it goes. Um, um, but, uh, but, you know, which some of the other subscription services, you know, like the, some of the clothing services have where you can sort of, you know, give feedback and say, Hey, listen, this was great. Give me, yeah. Give me great, more like this, less like this. 
Yeah. Give me more stuff like this, more like that. Um, and but it's you know it's f- totally fun. It's just I you know as a geek, it's just one of those things that I just absolutely love. So it's yeah, oh, what a great. I love example. I love, I love the founder love it, love he's it. talking about. He's building this experience platform, and and they've and they've invested in their own in house team, understanding how important this is. Yeah. So. There it's it amazing. Yeah. So uh, I guess the next episode we'll have a lot of content marketing world stories to talk about. We we should have lots of stories to tell. Yeah, exactly. Because as we speak now, we're you know we're 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 simultaneously starting to get buzzed with the international people, and <laughs> then we'll keep a good buzz on. We for can five we days. can get them all. We can sit them all around and get everybody have drinks. We're having a good time, and then we could listen to this episode. Uh, wouldn't that be totally I'm sure it would, Yeah, that everybody would, would so leave, mad. but we would be there. <laughs> <laughs> you and I would be there. Uh, you and I would be there. No, 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 wait. Yeah, this is the best part. This. this is the part where Joe like says Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> oh, God almighty. All right, well, anyway. looking forward to seeing you soon, my friend. You got absolutely, it. absolutely my, my uh, me as well. So that is it, folks, for Joe Polizzi. This is Robert Rose. We are signing off and moving on to content marketing world. If you did like this episode, number 147, do consider leaving us a review on iTunes or subscribing. We would love you as a subscriber. And if you leave us a review or if you subscribe, please let us know with the hashtag ThisOldMarketing on the Twitter. Um, give us up uh, some tweets on the great show ideas, the great This Old Marketing examples. We totally appreciate you as a subscriber and as a listener. And, of course, if you want to email us, you can get us email at ThisOldMarketing at ContentInstitute.com. All the links we talked about today, which were none, um, will be available in the show notes, but we will be putting the predictions in there, of course, as we go to publish on Monday night of the content marketing world. And, of course, we'll be on the show post at thisoldmarketing.com on Saturday. Until next week, everybody, remember, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. Part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.